so as you can see, I'm not the guy that's usually up here. I'm not Josh. Uh, Josh is, like I said earlier, currently on vacation. So he asked me to fill in for him uh, this week and originally the first week, but the hurricane hit, uh, and the last week as well. Um, and I'm just going to warn you guys right now. Uh, oh, I should actually introduce myself. Hi, I'm Kyle. I'm usually the guy up there in the sound booth uh, for those who don't know me. Um, and I was asked to preach tonight. Um, and I just wanted to open by saying that I don't have an education in this. I don't have nearly as much experience in this as the guys that you usually hear, like Josh or Pastor Robin. I'm just simply a young man trying to follow Christ. And I'd like to share that with you guys. Amen? Awesome. So starting off, can uh, if you got a Bible with you, which I hope you do, can you turn with me to Genesis chapter 3? I'm going to start in verse 1. And yes, I am using the Holy Glow tonight. Because I had to come straight from work, so take what you can get. <laughs> if you're at Genesis 3, say hallelujah for me. Amen. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Let's pray together. Father God, uh, thank you so much for allowing us to come here tonight and gather in your name. I pray tonight that it is not myself that talks. It is not Kyle giving his ideals or lessons to everyone. But God, rather, it's you through your spirit. Pray now that um, whatever it is that comes through my mouth is of you. And I just pray all of this in your holy, blessed name that I pray. Amen. Amen. So, in the first couple of verses where the serpent is talking to Eve, uh, it's talking about this fruit, the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. The serpent is bending its words and henceforth bending the truth around to convince Eve to take a bite of this fruit, just like we read. This is the first known act, or one of the first known acts, of temptation. Uh, how the serpent is tempting Eve is through its words. It's words that sound good, kind of sound right. They sound appealing. Um, that's he's constructing these words so that way it's more pleasing to Eve and to Adam, hence temptation. Uh, but reading through the verses, notice how the serpent says it's half truth and half lies. Uh, things he said like, you will not surely die, and you'll be like God, and your eyes will be open, had some truth to them. After all, they didn't immediately die on the spot when they ate the fruit and just kind of flop over. 
and they did gain knowledge. That's why they had to sew fig leaves together, because they knew they were naked and they wanted to fix it. So the serpent bent these words in truth, and because of Adam and Eve's sin, they fell into this temptation. Uh, they committed this sin and ate the fruit and disobeyed God, which is in and itself sin. And because they did this, they would eventually die. This is why we call it the fall of man, because eating of the fruit causing sin later on will cause their deaths. Um, and they were far from being God with just some knowledge. So whether it's half-truths, bending the truth, hiding the truth, ignoring or changing the truth, altering the truth in any way is a lie. And lying is a sin, something God has not and will not ever be a part of because he hates it. So, as it says in several passages. So, even though the serpent's words sounded right, he lied to them. No matter like how right it sounded or how whatever you want to say, it was a lie. And this lie caused them to fall into sin. Now, now that we've thought about it and pointed out how the serpent has lied, from our perspective, this should have been pretty obvious for Adam and Eve, right? I mean, for goodness sakes, they were living with God in the garden, maybe even for a short time or a long time, which doesn't exactly say, but they still lived with God. Adam literally saw God make Eve right in front of him. God was there with them. And yet this Nick's cow walks up and says, hey, you should eat that fruit. And all of a sudden, they listen to the snake instead of God? That's inconceivable, if you will. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And why would they trust a snake over God? Well, first of all, the Bible even states in that first verse just how crafty the serpent is. Not making excuses for Adam and Eve, but it says that it was the craftiest beast of the entire field, meaning it was one of the craftiest creatures in existence at the time. And secondly, if I may make such a bold claim, every single person in this room, one way or another, has been tempted like this where the truth was bent and we fell into temptation. The difference being, instead of someone else, maybe instead of someone else lying to us, it was ourselves. Because unlike Adam and Eve, we were born in sin. Twisting the, twisting the truth so that way it's better suited for us is what comes naturally to us because of how we are born into sin. This is why temptation is so dangerous for us. Because it feels good. It may even feel and sound right. It feels natural. And that's dangerous for us. We naturally produce sin because it's in our nature. Shoot, if we were a tree, we'd probably just be growing these rotten apples all day because all we do is produce sin. So we'd just be producing these gross apples if we were a tree because I was tempted to make this gross tree or this gross apple because I just I felt like it, or this friend told me this, or I thought about this, so I just did this. I mean, come on, man. It's just a rotten fruit. It's still rotten. That's the product of our sin. But if temptation is so natural for us and so easy for us to fall for, how do we combat it? 
how do we fight against our own selves, our own flesh? How do we rise up against our own temptation? You can't. Not without God. Because we can't fight ourselves because it's so naturally ingrained in ourselves. But through God, we can. How? Well, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil wasn't the only fruit that God made. He actually, God has provided us with another fruit, fruit that we can only have and even produce through the Holy Spirit. If you still got your Bibles, please turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 19. Bless you. If you're there, say hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, or orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Quick note, instead of uh, the, the works of the flesh, just kind of, instead of that word, put the products of our sin. Same ideas apply. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the fruits of the Spirit. It's through these fruits that we are able to fight off temptation. We are able to actually be anywhere near righteous only because of the Holy Spirit that's within us. To have the self-control to say no. The faith in God that we don't need that sin. We don't need that sin anymore. The peace that God is more than enough for us. So on and so forth. It's with these fruits that instead of falling back into our sin, we can fall or we can walk a path for Christ rather than ourselves. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that while you're a Christian, you're not going to fall back into your sin. We're not very smart. We do that all the time. But if you ask for repentance, you can go back on to the walk of God. This is called repentance. <laughs> Going back to God. It's only through God and the Holy Spirit that's possible to obtain and even produce these fruits of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit that dwells in us as Christians, that guides us along on what we should do or not do, helps us produce these fruits. It's only through the power of God, Jesus dying on the cross for us and so that we may be saved, and the Holy Spirit that is now within us that we can produce any of these fruits of the Spirit. To better give you an idea of the difference between the fruits of our sin and the fruits of the Spirit, just go along with me on this illustration. Imagine you have an apple right in front of you, and you're feeling kind of hungry, not really paying attention too much to it, and uh, you feel really hungry, almost like there's this void in your stomach. So you feel like taking a bite. In fact, take a bite, and it tastes great. Although it may have a little bit of a funny aftertaste, nah, it was pretty good, but it doesn't fill you up. 
In fact, it makes you hungrier. You need more of it. So you decide to take another bite, take another bite, not even realize this apple is covered in dirt and grime, has worms crawling all in and out of it, and is just absolutely rotten to its core. It's disgusting, unhealthy, and even poisonous to us. That is what our sin is like to us, and we don't even realize it. And even then, that's not a truly accurate description of just how revolting sin is to God. Because through temptation, sin may look good. It may even feel great. But it's still sin. It's only temporary. And it's so disgusting and putrid that God won't be anywhere near it. Even when his own son was dying on the cross, God turned and looked away from him. Be that The son that he loved because of how much sin Christ was bearing. That was our sin that he was bearing, by the way. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is like an apple, freshly picked off of the most healthiest and beautiful of any tree. Just ripe, perfect in color. And biting into it, crisp, sweet, absolutely delicious. In fact, it fills any void that you might have. And it's everything you need, even if you didn't realize it. This is the fruit of the Spirit, possible only through the Holy Spirit that resides in us as Christians. And even then, that doesn't begin to describe the taste of the love, the peace, the joy, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and self-control that God gives you through being saved But how? How can anyone ever hope to obtain that kind of fruit, let alone produce it? How can someone taste something so sweet as grace? Turn over with me to the last passage of the night, Romans 10.9. And we'll end here. If you're there, say hallelujah. I was a bit fast there on the trigger, my bad. Hallelujah. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I'm not saying that following God is like picking peaches from an orchid and, or orchid and on a bright sunny day and everything's all sunshine and rainbows. No, 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 no. There are, like I mentioned earlier, struggles as a Christian. We have been so ingrained since birth to produce these rotten fruits just for ourselves that the minute we try and start thinking that we need to produce fruit for someone else or like God himself, we fight amongst ourselves. Once we have that desire to start producing fruit for God, our flesh itself fights against us. 
And because of that, we might sometimes still start bearing fruit. Or we might start bearing these rotten fruit, even while we're, we have this wonderful fruit and we've tasted this wonderful fruit already. Excuse me one second. My notepad closed on me while I was trying to talk. <laughs> my bad. Because even as we, we Christians, we fail every single day to produce that fruit that God has given us. We do. We produce that rotten fruit instead. But that just means we have to keep looking to God. We have to keep focusing on him every single day to produce that, to produce that fruit, that fruit of the spirit that he provided for us. And to give glory to him. After all, he even says, uh, Paul even states in 1 Corinthians how he has to beat his flesh down daily into submission so that way he can worship God. This is exactly what these fruits were given to us for, to worship God. So that way others can see this fruit and be like, wow, that fruit you got there, it, uh, it looks pretty good. Um hey where where did you where'd you get something like that or how how can you have such joy in this time how are you at such peace how do you have such love people will notice if you're bearing these fruits and if you show it and i realize that you guys have all heard this idea before uh how if you want true love, then you go to God. Or if you want actual joy and peace, they're only found in God. I know you have all heard these things time and time again. Because I listen to the same Wednesday night sermons that all of you do every Wednesday night. Josh has preached this time and time again. All I can honestly do is reiterate the same point to you. That if you desire these fruits in your life, if you desire to come to God, to believe in him, these fruits that are the sweetest thing, to come to the God that loves you and can give you an eternal life with him. Just read it. Romans 10.9. Believe with your heart. Have a desire for him and not yourself. Go to him. And all you need to do is call upon him. We're going to go ahead and close out with prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this wonderful day. Thank you so much for um, all that you've done for us. I pray now that uh, everything that has been spoken has been of you and your spirit. And that as everyone goes out today and goes and eats this pizza and goes and plays these games, that they don't just do so for our own entertainment, God, but rather we fellowship in you, give glory to you, God. Instead of producing these rotten fruits that we are so used to wielding and that we have become so addicted to the taste, God, I pray that we get, that we just grab a hold of the sweet taste of your grace instead, God. I pray now for the food we're about to eat, that it, it blesses our bodies and our bodies to your people, to you and your people, God.
I love you and it's in your holy, blessed name that I pray. Amen.